This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hello, I'm Paul. And I'm Scott. Hi, I'm Misa. We're going to talk about The Body Snatchers by Jack Finney, or uh, maybe it's better titled Invasion of the Body Snatchers by Jack Finney. So when it it came out, it was the Body Snatchers Mm -hmm. and not Invasion? When did they add Invasion? Uh, Well, to the the book, the title changes happen in the 70s, um, I think 76 or 78. Um, to, to match the movie, I guess? Or? To match the original movie, yes. Invasion. The original of movie being 1955? Uh, no. 1956. Okay, yeah. and that was that original movie called Invasion of the Body Snatchers? yes. Okay. And uh, it's a pretty great film, actually. Um, uh, very faithful to the book, at least mm-hmm. for the most part. Yeah. Um, the changes to the text are at least... Um, not nominal. Um, there's a slightly bigger frame at the beginning, um, and there's some changes in and about and to the ending. The way I knew it had to have been changed is when he says, um, I drive a 1973 Cadillac or whatever it is. And I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure this isn't, <laughs> isn't the original because... Whatever Cadillac he's driving in the 50s, it's not going to be a 73 one, given that this is not supposed to be set in the future, but rather in the recent past. Um, so I uh, watched five adaptations of this. You're kidding me. Holy cow. <laughs> I watched wow. four. Wow. I, watched one. I only watched one. I watched the 78 version. Yeah, I, I want to see the 55, but I didn't get to it. Uh, the 56. 56, I'm yeah. sorry. Right. Um, that's the most popular one is the 1970. So the novel itself came yeah. out in 55, right? Uh, well, as a as a paperback, yes. Um, and then a hardback and paperback, yes. But it was originally serialized in Collier's, um, as you pointed out, uh, starting on Christmas. Or was it yeah, Christmas? So it looks Eve? like in Collier's it started in November 26th and ended on uh, okay. the Christmas Eve edition. Oh, I see. Yes, that makes sense. Some Christmas reading. So it would have been out in time for people to read in Christmas because it comes out like yeah. a, at least a day or so before. It was a weekly at that time, Collier's. Um, so serialized over three issues with beautiful illustrations, which I will put in the <laughs> show notes. Just gorgeous. And uh, it surprises me how much they match. You know uh, what we see in the f- first film, uh, Paul. Which, uh, uh, how many of the films did you watch? I watched the nineteen fifty six and the two thousand seven versions. The two thousand seven, okay. Yeah, that one's called the Invasion. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, let me go through the list here. Um, first of all, we have the Day of the Triffids. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Wait a minute. From nineteen fifty one. Nineteen fifty. Oh, the movie or the book? Uh, the novel. The novel, yeah. And then we have The Puppet Masters uh, by Robert Heinlein, um, 1951. We also have uh, Philip K. Dick's story called uh, The Father Thing. I think that's 1953. Um, And there's also another Philip K. Dick, uh, I think from 1953, entitled uh, The Hanging Stranger. And then, finally, Jack Finney tries his hand at this story. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm not 
kidding, guys. Wow. Uh, obviously, Day of the Triffids has um, uh, a, quite a few technical differences, right? You know, it's yeah. quite, quite different. It's it's a I, distinct. I, I I don't think that I I for first of all my first of all I apologize to you mm-hmm. for the name. For which, which name? Oh. I apologize to you, and so I will speak as little as possible. But I what? wanted to. <laughs> no, don't worry about that. Well, no. I have to because I am an idiot. Anyway, that, dude, I don't, it's, I, it, I don't see Dave the Treffids as being in the invasion of the body snatchers tradition because there's no duplication slash indeed slash um, substitution of people. That's that's just an alien invasion of plants which harms humanity and tries to take over i don't see that but myself they, ha- they but they come from space they come they from, do space. from space yes and they take over the planet right mm-hmm. they, but they're not but they're, they're not they're, they're, but they're not substituting it's the themselves scale for humanity so it's like yeah it's so the it's scale. Like, what's the what's the major point of the body snatchers is the body snatching right yeah. Oh, so no, it's a distinct. It's a distinct thing. I absolutely, uh, Paul. Your point is, you know, it's it, it is not the same story, and that's why I think most people don't even recognize it as such. On the other hand, if you look at um, Twenty Eight Days Later or The Walking Dead, those are ripoffs of the Day of the Triffids concepts and opening <laughs> scenes. Uh, same story, right? So if some kind example, of a spore from space. Well, not, not even. So Walking Dead is never explained where the zombie zombies come from. It's just a given, right? Although that is in the original um, uh, Night of the Ghouls or what? What's the original title uh, for? Well, yeah, Night of the Living Dead came from, but it's like Night disease, of the Living right? Dead. Right, Night of the Living Dead, it comes from space, right? And it brings the dead back to life. But the important part is uh, when you've got, you combine the Night of the Living Dead with Day of the Triffids, you have exactly the opening for The Walking Dead, which is Guy uh, avoids the, the plague somehow and wakes up in the middle of this horror um, because he was in hospital. Right, that's like Earth abides. Yeah, yeah. and and all, and 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 also these these uh, plants are consuming people essentially in both stories. Yes, Um, they're not identical for sure. No, they're not. But I mean, but there's there's definitely a he's picking up he's picking up stuff, or it's just in the air. Right, it's a spore Mm -hmm. in the air. But I want to point you guys who haven't read the father thing. Um, I think Paul, you've read it, right? By Phil we did a show on it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, I, years and years ago, I did one on, um, the other Philip K. Dick one I mentioned called the hanging stranger. Um, and those are so close in other details to, to this. It's like, it's eerie. It's, it's like either, um, I, I, I don't really know about Jack Finney that much, but what I do know about him is that he's kind of an outsider to mainstream science fiction. Think about where he's being published, right? Collier's, the only guy who's uh, published in there frequently uh, that we consider a science fiction guy is Ray Bradbury. And he's not, he's, you know, sort of the most 
I don't know, mainstream science so fiction guy you could get. Regularly publishing Harlan Ellison. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, they're not regularly publishing Robert Silverberg. They're not re- regularly publishing anybody. Uh, you know, Heinlein, when Heinlein gets in a slick, that's a big deal, right? But Jack Finney was in Collier's all the time. So it's like he's bridging the gap between the mainstream, the moms and the dads of the 50s, and the kids who are reading their science fiction novels and, more importantly, their science fiction magazines. So I, I don't know, I don't know that he's definitely read, you know, Heinlein's The Puppet Masters from 1951, which is not identical again, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But it's very close. And the father thing, it literally has like plant, plants that turn and duplicate people, right? And the original, wow. it's like, it's so eerie because the original dad ends up in the trash can, just like in the <laughs> movies and in, you know, it's it's repeated in several of the movies where they take the trash out in the morning and the truck comes by and people throw their their, their duplicate <laughs> the replacement people in. Um, and in what's the uh, uh, in the Hanging Stranger, um, it's it's not a plant from space, but it's something maybe from another dimension, and it replaces people with. Uh, pod people in the sense that their emotions are um, done, right? They're basically not who they were and they don't respond to uh, horror in the sense, you know, I, any kind of relationship change like, you know, your kid died. Oh, so sad. Don't care. There's a man hanging in the street uh, from a, a street lamp. Um, when he goes to work, he comes up out of the basement. He was working in the basement. Everybody else was uh, upstairs, right? And he he sees this, he drives to work, and he sees a man hanging from a lamppost in the street. And he's like, what the fuck is going on, right? And he looks around, and everybody's like, huh, must be some sort of uh, display. Advertisement. Strange. And then he's like, when did this happen? What's going on? And, and they're like, oh, you seem to be not like us. <laughs> and then he rushes home trying to save his family. What's it? F- finds out that his his family's like, "Why are you waking us up at this time of the mo- uh, the evening?" And as they're coming down the stairs, and he's like explaining, they turn into like flies or something. Like this is like from another dimension. It's very Lovecrafty and very Stephen King like. Mm-hmm. And he ends up killing his family members, and he flees the town to go to the next town over. Um, and he becomes the next hanging stranger in that town, right? It's a s- contagion that's spread. So yeah. we can throw in all of this stuff and the communist uh, Red Scare um, both from both sides, right? Uh, somebody pointed out it, it's just a, it's a communist um, fear. So it could be either the Red Scare, you need to conform, and uh, denounce this this uh, thing and forget about your previous values or humanity or logic or anything like that. Or you could think about it the other way in that those people are communists and that's the danger, right? And that's sort of more about how the book plays it, I think, versus maybe the movie plays it, the original 1956 movie. So this, given all that, we got all this stuff going on in the background of this story before it actually comes out there's four 
I think, official adaptations, or maybe three official, I don't know, four four official adaptations. Um, and then there's some extraneous stuff, including a really, really, really bad movie. <laughs> so everybody yep. should watch the 56. I think it's really good. I think it's actually the best one. The 78 is good, uh, but it's more of a 70s movie than it is. <laughs> <laughs> invasion of the body statues and delightfully so sense. yeah it was it kind of cool yeah it is it is it's, it's awesome in it's 70ness mm-hmm. yeah. i was thinking there might be and, and who was in i mean we had uh donald sutherland and brooke adams and mm-hmm. jeff goldblum oh yeah and leonard nimoy and leonard nimoy <laughs> and i i remember this was probably the first thing that i had seen leonard nimoy and when he wasn't being spock Mm. It's just a memory that I have. Me too. It's like, oh, he's he's that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's smiling. What's happening? Yeah, I don't so understand. Odd. But he plays yeah. a psychiatrist. He does, yeah. I wanted to uh I wanted to make a really cool connection. I hope Paul's listening because um this was this was so cool when I uh, when I figured it out. I'm like that's uh, this is maybe there's only three official adaptations and maybe there are not actually adaptations or remakes. It might be the case that they're all the same storyline. <laughs> so the 1956 movie comes out right, and it has a star, and I'm blanking on his name, but I'm gonna uh, bring it together here. Um. Uh, Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy. That's the dude. Kevin McCarthy. So Kevin McCarthy um, shows up uh, in a cameo in the 1978 movie. He, uh, you oh yeah, might not have recognized him. Yeah, he was the guy who was uh, screaming outside the car. He's he's actually reprising his scene from the Uh beginning of the first Invasion of the Body Snatchers movie. Which is oh, right. He's he's running down the street screaming, "They're coming! They're yeah. not who you think they are!" Right, and he jumps on the on the hood of uh, Donald Sutherland's uh, broken windshield car, and says, "You know, they're here and they're coming for you!" And they're locking the doors. Right, so he's reprising that scene, which you know you could think of as just a cameo. Um, but it's the same, it's the same scene with the same actor, right? So it could be that he's just been running all this time. <laughs> it's a slightly different place. Future. Yeah, because yeah, it's the original set in uh, Mill Valley, which is a real place, uh, in near San Francisco. And then this, the 1978 is set in San Francisco, right? But then, get this. I thought this was so cool. The only person you guys didn't mention from the 1978 as being an actor was Louise Fletcher. Um, she Louise was Fletcher. Louise Fletcher. She was in Alien. Yeah. Uh, she was in Alien. Yeah, she's a great scream queen. Um, mm-hmm. But more importantly, she is the final person alive in the 1978 film. <gasps> oh, right? is that Louise Fletcher? Yeah. That's Louise Fletcher. Now, oh my gosh. what's so cool is uh, she starts off as not the main character. And so it's kind of like a, a serial killer movie with, you know, somebody running around killing everybody at the sleepaway camp. Um, and then you don't know who the protagonist is. And, and the, 
what makes the 1978 film so great is is its ending, right? Is that you think Donald Sutherland is the only one to escape and that he's he's conforming to stay alive um, and we're happy for him, but it turns out that he was switched or snatched or replaced or whatever. Um, and then he he she runs up to him and and he points at her and starts doing the scream thing, right? <laughs> um, so she's the last one alive. But get this. In the 2007 adaptation, Louise Fletcher is a character. <laughs> Wait a minute. Are you saying Louise Fletcher or Veronica Cartwright? Uh, oh, shit. Am I saying? Oh, yeah. It's Veronica Cartwright, isn't it? Wait. It am I confusing Veronica. the two of them? You are confusing them. I, I think I might be confused. Uh, okay. Uh, you, you might be right. Uh, Veronica Cartwright. Veronica Cartwright. Yeah, that's you're right. Veronica Cartwright, it is. Okay, she's so the it's, one that was in Alien. Yeah, but she's also wait, Veronica. And it is that it is that it is that same character? Well, uh, no, the character the character Veronica Cartwright plays is Wendy Lank in the oh, 2007. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. The, yeah, but she's yeah she's in the, she the she's in the seven. Yeah, I'm saying Louise Fletcher. It's Veronica Cartwright. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, Louise Fletcher's. Cool. She's the one who she was on Deep Space Nine, and she was also yeah. she was Nurse Ratchet, right? In the uh, oh, that's the one. Yeah. Yep. The uh, what, uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Anyways, yeah. not Louise Fletcher. Veronica Cartwright is the last one alive in Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the last human, and she's also a patient of the psychiatrist main character mm-hmm. in the Invasion, played by Nicole Kidman. So there, it's like maybe there's only three official adaptations. <laughs> they're all the same story. You, you, you seem to be skipping one, Jesse. Well, the 1993 one, I am skipping. The one set, the one set on a military base. Yeah, and maybe I'm skipping it because the titles. What's that one called? Sorry. It's called What's the Body called? Snatchers. Oh no! Oh, okay. uh, you know, just Body Snatchers. No, the. And the invasion is called the invasion, right? So it's like they sort of split in half or whatever. <laughs> Maybe they du- duplicated themselves. But yeah, there, there are four af- adaptations that credit the f- uh, original story, I think. But um, I want to talk about a bit about the invasion too. Uh, but before we do all that, maybe we should talk about the actual book. <laughs> well, I wanted to tell you about my idea for a movie called Snatchers. Okay. I believe there is a movie called Snatchers, but go for it. Is there one? Yes. Okay. I'm anyway, go ahead. It. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I, I, I listened to the recorded books version of this. I, I did have a copy of the Blackstone, but I think I, got, I sent you the recorded books. Everybody uh, liked the narrator? Very I did. Much. Very much, yeah. Yeah, he's good, I, right? I listened to the, I think it was the, it was the one that was on Audible I bought. I'm not sure which one that is. That may be the Blackstone. Yeah, it's probably the Blackstone. That's a little easier to get. Um, but the guy who, I can't remember the recorded books guy, but he, uh, he I think he might have done the um, Heinlein uh, I mentioned earlier. The as puppet well. one? Puppet Masters? Uh, yeah, the Puppet Masters. Which so has Christopher Tabori is the guy. Christopher Tabori, yeah, area. that's the Blackstone one. How yeah. is he? It was he was pretty good actually. I thought. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I think the guy. I'm. My, I can't remember the narrator for the recorded books, but I think his name might have been Christopher as well, which makes a little 
maybe his last name is Christopher. Anyways, he was very solid, and uh, he reminded me of the, all those great science fiction recorded books uh, did back in the day. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Including the Heinleins. And, um, it's, uh, it's a pretty terrific novel, don't you think? It really is. I did like it. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I was kind of what's reverse engineering from the 56 movie back to the novels because I'd seen the 56 movie mm-hmm. before, but I not read the book. So I was trying to reverse engineer, trying to see, well, what's different from this between this and the movie? Cause I mm-hmm. knew the, the other movie adaptations are far off kilter, but it's like, that seemed to be hewing kind of close. It's very close. So I mean, it, yeah. it has yeah, so like some of the scenes that are in the illustrations, see. right? Yeah, I kept looking for the, the differences and divergences. I mean, the 56 movie also suffers from – I shouldn't say suffers. Suffers is not a good word. I apologize. The 56 movie has a low budget, so it it has to do a lot of things the book can, but kind of like in, in very, very uh, inexpensive ways to make things work. That's why we see all the bubbles and the foam in the 56 I thought, movie. I thought those are highly effective. I, uh, right, 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 right. I mean, but you, you, the, the, the 56 movie – couldn't quite go what the book did so it had to it had to it had to simplify some of the some of some of those uh some of those visuals from it's the it's fairly from the close book. i mean the the major difference that i see is the ending mm-hmm. i think yeah, right. i think the, the the novel has the worst ending of all of the <laughs> all of the adaptations all of the versions of this story like even Heinlein has the sort of similar it, ending, it, and it, it's it, it, way better yeah, than Heinlein. Because it feels like, oh, yep, yeah, we we did it, we fixed it, it's over. It, it, it it's like, it and also, how did also, they fix it? And, Come and, on. and also, it it does remind me. It doesn't remind me of Day of the Triffids because Day of the Triffids, the movie at least, they 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 discover oh, salt all the kids things. We use salt all the ending. What the ending of the of the book reminding me of is the ending of the radio play War of the Worlds. Where basically, yeah, oh yeah, because they don't have any any uh, defenses. Yeah, they just died. It's like it, 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 it felt like more like just circumstance rather than actual human activity actually ended the threat. So it felt very War of the Worlds ish to mm-hmm. me. So it's mm-hmm. like it's almost like by accident we survived. Then, but even yeah. but even compared to, I mean, War of the Worlds at least makes a point. Like oh, it, but it could happen again. Whereas Bias has to like oh. They had no defenses, so they died. We're all happy now. It's, so it does feel very un, uh, un, um, unappealing and very flat. So Never give up, never surrender ending. I really – I think your uh, your connection to the War of the Worlds is also on – I mean, that's an ancestor to every alien invasion of the Earth story, right? Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, that's the Ur ones. So. But uh, it also makes me think about the great – uh, there's a great show, TV show adaptation. I think it was filmed in Vancouver as well, um, of the War of the Worlds. And oh, it, it is, it, is that the one where the, where they is that the one where they basically suggested? Because I was thinking this as you were talking about the connections between the three movies. Is that the one where they basically it's set in the it's set later and they basically the War of the Worlds actually happened and got yeah. covered up. The War right, of the so- Worlds was an actual event. <laughs> um, and then everybody sort of forgot about it and, and moved on with their life. Back. But the, the the disease that killed the Martians didn't actually kill them. And the army uh, pickled all the uh, aliens. It just put them into dormancy. And now they're back. 
like okay, 50 okay, years later. So, okay, I think I've or, seen an episode or two of that. And it's, it basically says that the War of the Worlds film is an actual event. <laughs> right, <laughs> so that it is in can it is not a film in that world. It is an actual thing that happened. It's part of their history, although that's right. Uh, but a yeah, suppressed and forgotten history, right? In right. the same way that you know, if, think about the flu epidemic in 1920, right, uh, or 1918, or whatever it is. Um, it it's, it exists, but people don't talk about it very much, right? Now they are. Well, now they are. They're talking about it a little bit, but it's still not the dominant topic of conversation. Uh, you know, you are talking about it. I'm talking about it, but I'm just saying in regular, um, World War One gets way more attention, and yet the number of deaths is not proportionate. So you can sort of see that as a little, you know, conspiracy cover-up thing or, or you know, it's just or, not or, sexy or, or whatever it is. I mean, it's hard, it's, it's hard to get your – arms around it's a whole bunch epidemic. of it's a whole bunch of individual tragedies rather than one collective tragedy maybe is is the explanation but it doesn't really well, matter well which goes the whole stalin thing one death is a tragedy a million is a statistic yeah sure yeah. and so, uh so yeah this this the the novel's ending is terrible but pretty much everything else about it is wonderful, including I love, love, love the humor in it and the way it's told, the first-person perspective. Um, like, I, I really like our main character. I think he, he's he's not just funny. Uh, I mean, he's probably handsome. I don't know, but <laughs> he sure seems <laughs> handsome. Um, I love his girlfriend, uh, that they're both divorcees. Um that their, you know, their relationship is great. That's that it's and, wonderful. And I, 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 I was hope I was hoping that the film wasn't ex- which which has a lovely uh relationship between the two wasn't playing yeah. that. And no, it's not. No, that it's a that's straight from the novel. I was very pleased to see that the two of them, these two divorcees who have known each other for years, are trying to feel yeah, a little they were back dating, and forth. Dated, they dated each other in high school, right? That's uh, their yeah. extent of yeah. their relationship, and they're from the same hometown, and mm-hmm. and their hometown, though you know near uh, Metropolis, is a small town, right? And that is super cool, and that relationship and the the smooth clear uh funny compassionate writing um and there's this whole other level which is amazing um in the book is the meta-ness of the novel so like when they start talking about uh how you would act in a film that's how people picture themselves acting yeah brilliant brilliant you can see why jack finney is the success um, in a way that Heinlein wasn't with actually technically a much more interesting story. And but Heinlein's not good at people, right? <laughs> He's yeah. not good at people. He's yeah. terrible at people. <laughs> I, I mean, Jack, I mean, Jack Finney couldn't, I mean, Heinlein couldn't write somewhere in time, for example, just to go for another Jack Finney. Yeah, or, that's another good example. Um, uh, Jack Finney has a, a skill at, um, at writing that is different than the kind of skill at writing that Heinlein or Philip K. Dick or, you know, or um, even Bradbury has. Right? I mean, Bradbury, you know, Bradbury gets the small town right, but I think Jack Benny gets the characters and better. And and well, also it's almost like a Westlake yeah. quality. I felt like in the plainness. Oh, you know, sh- uh, the clarity, the absolutely, and stuff. 
There uh, isn't a point where you are unclear as to what's going on. And that is no. a, an amazing skill. But he's just also – he's uh, – the relationship they have, the relationship he has to the characters in the town. And what strikes me so much about the novel is in relief against the other adaptations and, and the changing times over the years. So interesting. Like, you know, notice the thing that's completely left out of the out of every adaptation – is Billy the Shoeshine Man. Oh, God, yes. yes. Yeah, I wondered, like, oh. Why is that in there? Not... It's so important for the what the story is trying to say. It's not about communism, is it? <laughs> right? It's yeah. not about uh, the Red Peril. It's not about the Red Scare. It's not, a, it, it's, it's about us and mm-hmm. the way we act and the fact that he overhears this guy who is in a terrible relationship with his community, or I guess not his community, but the community that dominates his community, um, that he's a fake. He is our hero in a world where everybody is not a body snatcher, a plant, but rather everybody is a white man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, 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 and you're absolutely right. None of the other adaptations even go near that. Nope. It's like, it's like he, he just dropped completely. But I found that fascinating. I was like, well, what's, what is with this Billy? And then when we reveal that Billy really doesn't like the people around him because they treat him like crap. But he also doesn't this, like what he does, right? Right. Yeah. He, he, I mean, there's a lot of self-loathing in Billy. It's like, oh my God. It's like, what, what is this character? Where has he not been, been everywhere else? I mean, I'm trying to think now. I'm trying to think of the other adapt of, of the adaptations, and I mean, I don't think there's any African American characters in the '56. In the '78, there's not any. In the, the 2007, we have Jeffrey Jones as the. Uh, there's a 1993. Um, a, a I, see, I, I haven't seen a '93 in a long time, so I don't really remember that well. So, so it's it's like that strand is kind of buried and gone after the novel people it's like eh, we're not going to touch this well, it's not with about Red race Scare. relations at that point right no i don't think that what yeah but but, he, but he's saying it might not be about it but he's saying something important he there. is i mean uh, finney is finney saying might not even, yeah finney's saying that and, and no, no one else wants to actually engage with that part of the narrative and you could do a body snatchers like that and but, engage with that. Oh, but be I don't a very, think, very I, different I, movie. I think I think that those aren't deficiencies in the later ones. It certainly could be a deficiency no, in the first choice, one. The choices for sure, but uh, deficiencies. It, you know, like the first ones of the film is only you know it's an hour and a half or hour forty, whatever it is. The nineteen fifty six. Uh, they're going to have to cut some stuff. Uh, the other thing I didn't like is the cave versus, you know, the way they did it in the book. But the ending's way better. <laughs> so the, the that's cool. And I, I really – I think, you know, dealing with divorcees as sort of human beings and it's okay. And, uh, you know, the the relationship he has to his patients – and, you know, just to his own body. There's so much cool stuff about, like, the skeletons. And he actually talks about skeletons, uh, her skeleton, his girlfriend's skeleton, as she walks into the room or leaves the room, right? Um, and how her flesh fits her bones. And, and then he's got two skeletons in his closet, literally in his closet, right? <laughs> that uh, somebody gave him, up, his dad gave so- him, right? What can you reveal what the ending was of the fifty six version movie? 
it's not a positive ending. I don't remember it that well because I, uh, I, 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 I do because oh, do you have it, myself? Go ahead. Well, from what I remember, um, it it's it's not the negative ending of all the other movies. It's the world is saved, or the world's going to be saved. He gets, the world is going to be saved. Yeah, he, he, he gets this. He gets to this uh, hospital. I mean, he they think he's crazy. He's going to be put away, and then somebody, and then another patient comes in who's been hit by a truck. And um, and it turns out, and, and the guy said, "Well, the strangest thing, the truck had these strange pods in the back." Mm-hmm. And then they realized that, that our hero has not been crazy all along; that he's really, really been telling the truth. And they start calling Washington and try to get mm-hmm. the FBI because they realized, yeah, he's not crazy. There is a really threat here. And I just made a connection I didn't until this moment. The ending, or at least the, the whole thing of the guy going crazy, of the like, screaming for help in the '56 and all the other movies. I just thought of another movie that that uses that at the ending. Mm-hmm. Soylent Green. Oh yeah, definitely. I I just didn't realize till now that Soylent Green might be roofing off a of body snatcher. You gotta tell him. <laughs> that's, 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 that's what he said. That's the last words from Charles. You gotta tell him. It's it's yeah. so body snatchers ish. Yeah, it is. And that is about Oof. taking bodies and turning them into something else. The food. the ending in the 56, it's not the downer, downer ending, which we really get in the 70s, which is great. Um, mm-hmm. But what's cool about that uh, is that they didn't actually, you know, the, the pods are not, you know, just giving up. <laughs> Right, saying, yeah. you know what? They're, they're kind of resisty. Let's fuck it. Let's go home. Which is so stupid. It's a stupid ending. That's the real problem with it. I mean, <laughs> even if we don't have this world, what, how do how do these pods launching themselves? To, I mean, it's it's just anti science fictional. It feels like the author couldn't do what he know needed to be done, and he said, "Well, I'm selling this as a book to Colliers." <laughs> Uh-huh. Right, so he said, "Forget, forget everything I say." <laughs> he just comes up with an elaborate thesis and great story, and then says, "Forget everything I said." Maybe and that's an editor why, made him do it. Uh, it, it Your ending is a bummer. Fix it. It's terrible. His his ending is terrible. On the other hand, he didn't fix it in the revision, which I think tells you something as well. Um, and uh, I want to talk about the 2007 film and its ending. Um, and also the nineteen so nineteen seventy eight one feels like it's 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 about San Francisco and about the people who live there. So one of the things that's you know we don't get the um, the uh, shoeshine man, but we do get the banjo man. Banjo <laughs> man, yeah, and that pays off his in dog. a strange way. His dog, his dog. right? <laughs> he he should have killed two of the pumpkins, but he only killed one of the pumpkins. And so they both have to share. <laughs> um, but notice that the relationship there is, you know, he it is the same relationship. He pays the guy as he walks by, pats the dog on the head. Um, and the uh, banjo man, you know, isn't offended by this. So there's a kind of relationship there. But also um, when... Uh, the girl, not the girlfriend, the potential future girlfriend who's already in a relationship, which is interesting as opposed to, you know, she's in a relationship maybe she should get out of. She, uh, uh, the advice is, um, take her, go to the psychiatrist, uh, with me, talk to him, talk to Leonard Nimoy, and if he, 
he he'll tell you what the straight dope is. Maybe he's turning gay. <laughs> right? So there's the change, right? The, the gay can't be mentioned in the 50s. Instead, we get that in the 70s, and that makes sense. But then we move on to the 2007, and Nicole Kidman, now the female lead, where uh, there was male leads in the past, um, she is a divorcee, but they have a kid. And the kid is the primary relationship, and then the secondary relationship is with uh, Daniel Craig, right? And I, I, I made the point of pointing out how cool it is. I really, I think that the Invasion, the 2007 film, is actually very, very good. I think it's, I think it's my second favorite after the 56. But it's it, actually it, very it, close. It is very, it's very slickly done. I, I'd forgotten. It's I mean, quite, I, I, I had the quite TV a, hanging around. I was like, oh. Nicole Kidman and Daniel Craig, really? Oh, so, here's Jeffrey Jones. I forgot he was in this thing. Hello. There's a number of of major differences, right? Like when I I think that might have been the first version of this story I ever saw. I didn't even recognize it as Invasion of the Body Snatchers when I started watching it originally. Um, I said, "Oh, this is a cool movie, just a science fiction movie." Like, you know, there's really. These, Oh, yeah, because think about it. it. It doesn't say Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I know. I recognize it There's no though. pods, right? It's yeah. a spore, so it's you a, get it. It's, it's like an infection, like a zombie infection, right? Um, and as soon as you fall asleep, you your body is not replaced, but sort of... Chrys- colonized. Colonized, mm-hmm. chrys- chrysalis or whatever, and you become... Uh, host for it's it's more like uh, Heinlein's version of this story, right? The puppet mm-hmm. masters, where there's a collective consciousness, but there's this way cool element that is not included in other versions, which is it's doubling down on why maybe being a snatched body is not such a bad thing. Um, their explanation is, you know, you know. There's you know, just everything. It's fine. Don't worry. You chill. <laughs> That's their explanation in the first one. And then in the book, we get um, this idea that you will be you will be just like you, but uh, our hero reveals that oh, you didn't actually touch those papers you were working on. You're not working on your book anymore. There's nothing new for you. And he says, oh, yeah, that's true. Um, and, yeah, we can't reproduce. And, yeah, this body's only going to last five years. <laughs> and, yeah, we we don't have a good society, right? So it's actually very negative. Whereas in Invasion of the Body Snatchers, as, as done as the invasion, there's this whole background element that's so cool, which is the world is involved. It's not just... Uh, you know, the local uh, city, the small town or the, or the state. It's the whole world. And what's happening? North Korea just signed a unilateral disarmament treaty. And uh, no new, uh, for some reason, there's no new terrorist uh, uh, explosions, IDEs or suicide bombings in Iraq, right? And then as it gets worse and worse, uh, or better and better, depending on your point of view, the uh, number of countries that are listed in just the background news, like Iran, is mm-hmm. is now our friend, and mm-hmm. Venezuela. <laughs> wow, even Venezuela. 
But um, near the end, it's like, and our troops are pulling out of Iraq, right? Like, oh, they're actually taking away all the horrible part of our emotions and our sort of partisanship and going the opposite direction and saying, you know, we're all the same people inside, you know? Now you're making me think of another movie that's pleased for this. <laughs> but the the point of of that is that it's much more seductive, right? And and yet when we get to that ending, uh, which is both positive and negative, if that's impossible impo- to believe, it's played as totally positive. We find out uh, Daniel Craig is still alive because she shot him in the knee <laughs> instead of shooting him in the f- chest or head or wherever, right? And they're at the, he's revealed behind the newspaper and they were told that everybody who was subject to the plague or whatever it is, is now, uh, recovered and fine. Um, anybody except who's for, killed, except, except for lots of memory loss because they, apparently it's all dreamlike and mem- memory yeah. loss, right? For them. But even the, the mom, uh, Nicole Kidman now has two children because, uh, the kid who lost his parents and turns out to have been a zombie or whatever it is, uh, a pod person, is now a member of the family. And she says, I love you to both of her children. Oh, isn't that nice? But in the background, I love the ending. In the background to that, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a delightful, uh, wonderful, uh, horrible ending because it's so nice. But in the background to that, the American Empire is resuming, right? The mm-hmm. occupations and the sanctions on Iran and North Korea, everything that was the positive of this new system is gone and we're back to where we are. Yeah, and they close on her face too, going, uh oh. Right? Yeah. And so it is both a negative and a positive ending, but it 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 manages to do that amazing uh dance showing like the personal versus the collective which mm-hmm. i think makes it so good um the, the disgust like that we have for the aliens is probably cuz the waiters are barfing into the They're spitting into yeah. the coffee yeah. or whatever it trying is to, trying to yeah trying to uh share share their uh bounty of uh of of a uh, fungal load but the movie i was thinking of now that you you were talking about this is a completely off kilter is the movie Equilibrium. I've seen Have it. Any of you seen it? No. It's the no. Dancing with Guns movie. Yeah, it's the Dancing with Guns movie, but I'm talking, but the, it's the background in the stuff, not Dancing with Guns accounts here. In Equilibrium, we basically have had world wars, and the society survives by basically drugging its population 24 7 to the point where they no, they no longer feel strong positive or negative anything and mm-hmm. and they even then and the society even basically tries to justify it. it's like like we did this to save humanity and humanity's better now that we don't feel because that makes us a safe peaceful world even if you have the outside is a complete hellhole outside the city and mm-hmm. you got rebels inside the city and everything else but the, but their their thought is yeah if everybody's just this like fearless emotionless people then that's a that's a society worth having and protecting over over the previous one and so you're talking about a society where everyone just doesn't feel anymore they're just going about 
going about their business without any sort of emotion. That's like, oh yeah, that's the equilibrium world. That doesn't work so well either. Well, it's it, uh, it's, it's the same as uh, the um, Aldous Huxley, uh, Brave New World, right? Brave, yeah, yeah, so much. Where we have the outsider, the insider, and if you're taking the drug, um, it levels you out and makes you not be so upset I, that your life is shit. And letting Nimoy's in an adaptation of Brave New World. <laughs> that's so, right. So that that ties that back in. In a similar mm-hmm. sort of role too, where it's yeah. all connected. Yeah, yeah, it, it is, is all connected. It is pretty well connected. Yeah. I there's think there's a, a Star, Star Trek, Trek episode. That's right. right. <laughs> the pancakes, right? The flying <laughs> yeah. pancakes episode. Uh, oh, which one? Which one were you saying? Oh, it's the one with the flying pancakes. The Star Trek episode. Is it? Uh, yeah. There's also the other where they, one. They slap where... on your back in the same way that they do in the original. Uh, Heinlein yeah. version, right? And then you you get all leveled out, and um, and everybody in the planet is normalized. So yeah, but there's another one too mm-hmm. where they um, I, I Landru or something mm. where everybody walks around you and then they have the one body. night of craziness. And <laughs> that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I I actually like that phrase so much. Uh, <laughs> it's it's my version of of the pointing and screaming that Donald Sutherland does. <laughs> <laughs> when somebody says something that's very far out, um, you know, like in in a way that I like, <laughs> you know, just not taking the conventional. Um, I I heard I read it in the newspaper. New York Times has good reporters. I read it in the newspaper. <laughs> you know, that sort of position. If they take a position that's outside of that, like maybe the sanctions on Iran are are a horror. That uh, should really be stopped in the relationship in Iran <laughs> with the United States is like the most toxic. Re- I don't like that word very much because it's so much easier. It's like the most toxic relationship in the history of the earth. Um, basically, we oppressed you. And when you rebelled, we, we got so angry. We said, we're never letting you out of this cell. And it's like just a horrible, toxic relationship. And if you pointed that out and I'm like, you're just a stranger. I'm like, you are not of the body. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. It's so exactly right. (laughs) Because you're not paying attention to the the what what do they call it? Uh, A received opinion. Right. (laughs) Jesus Christ. That's so scary. And that's why this book was so powerful and why these movies are so powerful. And uh, I, I was realizing there's a sort of an internet meme version of it as well. They call it the NPC. I know Paul's not a big fan of this, but um, I, I see it a lot. Um, you guys all know what NPC stands for? NPC. Non-player character. Yes. Oh, that, but yeah, but the, the internet version of that's kind of different. Well, but it, it is kind of saying like you're, you're – if you are an NPC – in a role playing game you're not a you're a character in the story but nobody's playing you right except for the maybe the dungeon master or the game master right so the character is there to deliver information um to be killed to be used but not uh has no will or volition of their their own like all the other people playing at the at the table they're a character in the story but they are not it, it's kind of like a red shirt scott uh, from okay. Star Trek, right? They're Got there yeah. to serve. Now you're speaking the, my language. There you yes, go. Thank you. <laughs> and and my son, he's a, he's a red shirt. Although they changed it to yellow shirts in Next Generation, right? Um, it's they're there to serve the plot and to show the gravity of the situation, but they have no volition of their own. And 
it's not exactly the same, but it's kind of similar in that if you are acting like an NPC, um, you know, you're not playing your own character, as in your own personality. You are making a mistake. Now, this, this is also in philosophy. They call them philosophical zombies. Um, it's not a great theory, <laughs> but it is an interesting one. Basically, it's like, um, how do you know that a person uh, is like you inside um, and that they have all of these feelings if, if we can't have access to their own experiences? We only have access to our own. Now... I think you could imagine, you know, observing somebody through a telescope and walk, watching them walk down the street. And if you can predict every movement that they do and see that they're all very predictable, then you would maybe conclude that they are like a a robot or a, a shaped like a person but not a person because they're following a script or a bot, as they're called in, in computer games, not on Twitter. That's slightly different. Um, but, uh, you know, that they have an artificial intelligence uh, for the purposes of, of the game. But it's just basically critiquing the idea of, of individual thought and individual, um, individual knowledge about what other people are thinking and how they came to conclusions. It's very mm -hmm. hard to know because we can't really know that about ourselves. But we can see that, that the processes have happened within us. But we can't see those processes uh, for other people as easily, not nearly as easily. And what it seems like uh, watching a great actor with a great script in a great film can do is sort of give you a simulation of that or in a great book too, right? Like, like the way we follow our hero in, in this book, we, f we find his actions to be uh, highly sympathetic, Right, mm -hmm. I don't yeah. think there's a point where we say no, he shouldn't have done that, and we also see the psychology, you know, building up behind everything. Where they're sitting around that that pool table, the great opening, uh, great scene that they replicate in the original film. Seeing that, you know, him realizing that his his GF, uh, his new GF, is uh, in danger from her dad. And that's in the film. I, d I don't know if it's m as much in the book, but it, no, no, he, that does the film plays runs, that up a little more. Yeah, when he runs down the street, and there's a mm -hmm. lot more cars in the uh, in the book uh, in the movie. I think that's also a very cool Americanism. You know, he jumps out of the car, and the car isn't even stopped, and just bouncing around, and he runs in wearing his pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> and then stops at the front door before he rings it and says, no, I got to go, right? So all of those things and and even the whole uh, – the other amazing thing that's going on in, in the book, but even I think magnified, especially – it's most magnified, I guess, in the 1978 is the amount of gaslighting that goes on, Right. You are wrong about what happened. That is not what happened. You're mistaken. I can understand why you're mistaken. <laughs> Leonard Nimoy yeah. is like a pod person from the beginning, right? Yeah, he is. Right. Yeah. But we yeah. don't know that. <laughs> and he, 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 you know, the way he treats Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> 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 uh, 
and all the things that ha- you know, like that is such a weird nineteen. 19- it feels like uh, who's the guy who did all those nineteen seventies movies that are like uh, just like that? I'm like it's wasn't actually wasn't the director of this and really involved in Star Trek Solo. Um, I think he was. I, I, I recognized his name. Is that why? Yeah, I think that's why. Robert Solo, is that his name? Mm-hmm. See, I'm looking it up here. I think it was Robert. Um, the director of the 1978 version is mm-hmm. Philip Kaufman. Oh. Solo is one of the other directors. It might be the the, uh, the middle one, like between the, the 2003 or four one. I think that's where Solo was. Hmm. Let's see. Yes. Yeah, so, so yes. Yeah, so Kaufman directed not only Vision Vice, but was also The Right Stuff, mm-hmm. Rising Sun, Henry and June, Quills. I that's a there's a there's a strange parallax. Vision Body Snatchers and Quills. Okay. <laughs> uh, the guy I'm thinking of uh, is Neil Simon. Um, he is very oh, Neil Simon esque. The way the film is made. Um, there's all those. So he gets Alan Alda and Michael Caine, a whole bunch of sort of Walter Matthau, Richard Pryor, and they sort of shove them all together into a a plot with a bunch of, I don't know, adults hanging out. (laughs) It's kind of a style of film, you know? Well, that movie, that's where they they did that, that whole thing, and everybody else picked it up. Like, it became became a staple after that. Yeah, that's in the 1993 version as well. And Mm -hmm. that's sort of the shittiest version other than the one that I didn't. (laughs) Uh, it's, It's not that bad. It's just not that good. Um, but then the, I can't believe I, I watched one called Invasion of the Pod People, which is one of those mockbusters. Invasion of the Pod People. Yeah, it's an asylum <laughs> movie. Uh, so it came out the same year as um, the two. It was basically, remember when you went to the video store and there's a movie in the theater and they had one that's similarly titled at the video store so that <laughs> they Drag could make DVD? money. Yeah, they especially did that one like with Disney Disney movies for a while. You had a Disney movie come out, and then you'd have a yeah, like a, a cartoon ripoff version that also yeah, it just seems very similar, but it's not. Yeah, there was there was a number like uh, when that Tom Cruise um, War of the Worlds movie came out. There was one that was made by probably the Asylum. It has the exact same title because it's a public domain, right? So if you're <laughs> not looking closely at the box, you just say, "Oh yeah, this is the one we want." And they said, "Boy, that Tom well, Cruise is really done gone downhill." <laughs> this is the same. Same idea, except um, <laughs> they seem to have spent no money on it at all. It's uh, I think most of the actresses are porn actresses. I, I was about uh, as, as you were talking about this. No lie, I was thinking I'm not going to Google it. I wonder if Rule 34 applies to Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It too. is really <laughs> strange because it <laughs> they use ginger root <laughs> as the plots. <laughs> Like a, they have a what? plant pot. Yeah, it's what? it's really bad. But the, no. there's one interesting aspect to it, which is so strange. Um, it's not a good movie. I watched it very late at night on a channel called Tubi, which is uh, you know free free movie channel with ads. Um, you know uh, streaming service. No, 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 no. I would I wouldn't have paid for it in the first place. But I, I I didn't even. I just did a search for everything. But in any case, um, what's so strange about it is because the acting is so wooden, 
right? <laughs> and you kind of say, no, they're all pod people from the very beginning. So when the replacement happens, it's <laughs> not a big deal. But then there's this other aspect somebody mentioned in a review. And I'm like, no, that's just, that's just, they're, they're playing, but it's not. The air conditioning systems, because it's filmed in Los Angeles, are like humming in every, almost every scene that's indoors. So there's this like constant hum in the background. Like, yeah, and you think, oh, is this a feature? <laughs> like they, they meant to have this sort of uh, <laughs> running in the background. Or, <laughs> and turns out, no, it was not a feature. It's just they didn't like overdub anything. And everybody's mic was like, and it is basically an excuse to have, you know, sex scenes where, you know, instead of becoming a, a non-sexy being uh, pod person, you become a sexy being pod person. <laughs> it's sort of like the 1993 version, but way worse, if you can oh, imagine God. that. And all, like way, way, way worse. So wow. you, can, you can go all sorts of different directions with it. But uh, another direction that's quite different but also kind of interesting is uh, the They Live adaptation of Eight I was thinking morning, about that too. I right? forgot. Yes. Yeah. And the, the sunglasses yeah. meme, you know, <laughs> is so it's an evergreen meme where, you know, if you, if you just put on these sunglasses, you'll see the wo- world the way it actually is. Right? Yeah. Not the way it appears. And that the idea of they're, they're, they are out there. They are among us. They are our masters, right? Yeah. Um, we, are, we, we are livestock. Right. During the, um, yeah. during the uh, uh, recent election shit, uh, <laughs> the, um, some uh, guy went on TV and said, uh, you can't call them oligarchs. Uh, that, that gives people a misunderstanding of American billionaires. <laughs> can't call them oligarchs. Russia has oligarchs. We don't have oligarchs. And it's like, it's like a guy who's refusing to put the glasses on after he's put them on once, right? No, no. <laughs> or I guess in the same is, uh, in, um, the matrix, right? The guy who wants to go back into the artificial reality because his, Actual reality sucks so bad. He's he's tired of eating the crap on the plate. He'd rather have the the He'd rather have be steak. steak. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Even if it's a false yeah. reality, it's a it's a it's like the person who takes the money to take the shitty job, like Bloomberg. <laughs> it's like I know what I'm doing is wrong. <laughs> I could really use the money, and uh, yeah, my my heart's not in it, but you know, I need that paycheck, so. Uh, yeah, the They Live is, you know, probably the most important science fiction movie there has ever been, uh, <laughs> given how important it is for our reality, which is pretty funny considering it's such a weird little movie. But uh, the, the, you're walking around and some of the people there are real people, but some of them aren't. And, and you can't, yeah, once you have the glasses, you can't tell which. And, 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 and not to mention... I don't know how we wound up into they live here. That scene where they go de- where they're underneath the tunnels and they're going and they wind up in that ball under underground ballroom. If some of those people are real mm. and some of them are not. It's yeah, like I think, you can't I think, tell the difference. I think there was mostly it was like it was mostly the men were the aliens and some of the women were the aliens, but mostly it was the men who were the aliens. And it was like um, It's like when it comes to a certain point, people it's like as 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 uh, uh, I um, 
the one character says, you sell out your own kind. It's like, you can't tell the difference between the aliens and the people who have sold out to the aliens. They're basically act the same. Mm. They even have the, ga- they even have the gadgets. It's like, yeah, that, that, the, 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 the social message of they live gets hit on the ham on the head of the, ha- by the hammer a lot, but it's kind of valuable that way. Super valuable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, not uh, who who here has read uh, the Heinlein Puppet Masters? Hands up! I have hands up. I have Hand, hands up. <laughs> okay, okay. So we all have. Um, which is better, as a novel? Which is a better novel? It's hard to say, right? So it's hard to say because they're, they're very different. They're very different, uh, even though they're exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Heinlein it, is it, Heinlein. Uh, Heinlein uh, is Heinlein, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I th- I think the movie versions of the, the the three movie versions we've talked about are superior to the movie version of the Puppet Masters. I disagree. I think that that Puppet Masters movie is a piece of excellence. It's good, but it's not as good as the fifty six or the, or the seventy or the seventy eight or the two thousand seven the Invasion. I think, and it do- and, and it does have the Donald Sutherland. We should we should point out. So there's That's a, right. another connection. He's playing another pod person, and he loves He's, it. It's just like <laughs> wow. And he was a pod person from the beginning, <laughs> or near the beginning. <laughs> I want to I, 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 the relationship that. Um, that they they have to the. I'm talking about the book um, more than the movie. But the relationship they have to the aliens, right, is that they juice us up, right? They make us feel whatever they want us to feel, which is mostly pleasure. Um, but they use us in the same way that Robert Silverberg's characters are used in in Passengers, right? Which is not exactly a pod person movie or a pod person story because yeah, suddenly you're walking just, down the street and you get borrowing them. Yeah. yeah, you get borrowed and then, for a minute. That's right, and you get oh. taken over, and your life is ruined. Um, uh, you know, you that's make a come powerful back. story. That's it's a very, good story. very powerful, yeah. very powerful story. Um, there's a, another one that's kind of similar. On, I'm blanking. Sorry, on. what's that silver? What's what's that? Uh, it's what's called that? the, the passengers. Just, just passengers, right? Oh, passengers. Okay. Yeah. So um, aliens take over your body, you know, at any Psychically. point, and then suddenly, you know, you you aren't in control of yourself at all. And they can you use see? you. Can you see what's going? Like, are you conscious? No, the time? you're not. No, you're not conscious. You wake up. You could wake up like in somebody else's bed or something. Oh. And there's this this walk of shame back to your life. <laughs> That's right. And no. it's really powerful. Yeah, it's super powerful. Um, and I think um, it's important too because it gives us a sense of, uh, because everybody is subject to it, right? It's like it's a sense of shared shame, and every. Yeah. Everybody, we just have to live with this new reality. It was that was an interesting aspect of it. The, Super the interesting. The fact that we had all adjusted and people learned to look away. Oh from, wow! It's that. Super cool. Cool. Um, I also want to point out there's this uh, amazing, be- should be much better known story called "The Roller Coaster" by Alfred Bester. Mm, um, the, oh, dude, it's so good. The roller coaster is uh it's narrated from the alien's point of view and it's basically the same story as passengers uh but the aliens are not aliens they're us in the future us in the oh. distant future who have uh basically immortality and lots of um lots of money and lots of free time 
And what do we do with our time? We project our minds back in time, Yithian style, well, to bring I, in H.P. Lovecraft. I, 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 I want to talk about the shadow out of time for a second, mm-hmm. too, because what what happens in the shadow out of time? The, the guy gets possessed by the Yithians. His That's mind right. goes back in the past, and the Yithian mind goes into the present. That's mm-hmm. a brief body, and he acts differently, and people yep. understand. He acts it's much more technically it, a snatch, right? <laughs> it, it is more technically a snatch, but it is a it is basically in that tradition. It's it's also a temporary, it's a temporary body snatching. Mm-hmm. But this, get this, uh, the roller coaster, right? They go back in time, uh, get into your body, and then instead of just like living your life and doing basically, it's almost like a, a super positive uh, tool for using uh, to study history. But it's not in the hands of historians. It's in the hands of the callow, assholish sons of billionaires, the sons and daughters of billionaires in the future. They're base- basically psychopaths treating us like we treat NPCs in Ooh, in computer games. In, Sky- in Skyrim, yes. Yeah. Well, so you run around. Man, there's man. some guy, and for a laugh, you ax his head through, right? Now, the way this works is you don't want to get caught exactly because that'll limit your time. You don't want to spend your your VR time in jail with the body until you come back to, you know, your first time. So when you're killing people, you can't, like, just do it openly unless you want to end your game early, right, and just wait out the rest of it. But but what it does emotionally is, you know, it – it, it it it's so horrific because what you want to do is like terrorize people to get a rise out of them because it's a roller coaster. <laughs> Scream as you run through this life that is not yours and you can replay again and again with different bodies. So good and written by Alfred Bester. Dude, you know it's going to be good. Yeah. So he can they do they can they do they change history or or are they just reliving what happened? It seems to have, like it, it. We're just finding out about it in the story, right? This is uh, we dis- discussed it in reading short and deep episode eleven. I must I must look that up. <laughs> and the PDF is available on the PDF page. I shall. It is amazing. Okay, uh, and it's from yeah. nineteen fifty three. <laughs> and you're, you're making me think of, of the movie The 13th Floor. Yes, yes. Where people are going into a virtual reality and taking over the bodies of characters who otherwise have their normal lives and they're kind of screwing them over. Be- I mean, I mean the, the, uh, the elderly guys basically, basically going out dancing with girls and like screwing up – that that uh, shopkeeper's that's life right. and all. He's, I, I think that's a better movie as a story than The Matrix, like by a long way. But the it's thing is, is uh, The Matrix is as an a um, um, way better spectacle. It's oh, God, more yes. fun. But as an idea, yeah, I think The Thirteenth Floor is amazing. It's just like, and they came out the same uh, year, and Thirteenth Floor it, has no attention at all. So I I I watched. The Ma- I watched Thirteenth Floor, The Matrix, and Existence in the same year in theaters. So I am good year. I am not part of nineteen ninety nine. Oh yeah, it's, they all came out the same time. It's like it's not even a. It's not like the acting's not great in the Thirteenth no, Floor. No, no, no. The special the effects are only kind of okay. Work. The dialogue's not amazing. What's amazing is the ideas, 
And yes. it's it's like a science fiction story in terms of ideas. In fact, I believe it's based on a novelette or something, um, which I've not read. But uh, you can see you can see how good this stuff is. Um, I, I want to go back to that uh, Heinlein novel for a minute, just because I think it's it. What's so interesting about it is it has that mass scale that we sort of see in in some of the aspects of the 2007 version, but it also has this. Let's we're seeing it from a different end of the story, right? We're seeing it not from you know some some small town doctor's point of view, but from the government competent agents, semi government competent agency that's trying to stop it right mm-hmm. which is very cool seeing it from that end is it's like it's sort of a pre x-files sort of story right but uh the the relationship that people have to the alien invasion the relationship they have to the actual being invaded which is really cool in that book we get a guy who's taken over by a pod or pancake or whatever it is right (laughs) and then he's taken out of it and he can give us that point of view and we don't know when we're reading it you know that he's actually completely under it exactly for a little bit and then when he comes out of it it's like a trauma that is on the scale of rape or worse right because it's like it, 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 on the scale of the passengers, right? On the scale of uh, the roller coaster, it's a um, it's a horror that is it, it's worse than the Yithian version where you just swap, right? It's it's a uh, you're there but you're not in control. You're there but you're not running the show. You're there and you're witness to this alien mind that doesn't is alien and doesn't care about you. In a way that you're, 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 you're trapped, you're trapped in the body you can't control, which and which they can goes, just find a new body if your de- body's damaged, right? So it's not right. like you're a symbiosis or anything; it's a parasitism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas uh, another, a really important and interesting aspect of the book, um, and it's kind of shitty that it's not explored more in any of the other stuff. Um, you know, the 1978 movie is good, but um, it has sort of a – it's not really great at the explanations. It's more about the characters. But in the in the original novel, there's this aspect that's so interesting where we find out how when the spores landed in this garbage pile in some farmer's backyard, an axe handle, broken axe handle, and a soup can were duplicated. Mm-hmm. Right. It just started started duplicating things randomly till it yeah. hit upon things, to, upon life that could actually propagate it. It which which yeah. which which goes to whole themes of spilling the seed on the earth and yep. that's almost biblical in some ways. Well, there, there, it's there's a funny little thing that happens in that uh, 1978 movie. <laughs> it's such a weird movie. Like the Jeff Goldblum and uh, I want to say Louise Fletcher, but Veronica Cartwright run a a uh, mud bath spa. <laughs> yeah, I know. So 70s. <laughs> right? I mean, what's going on with that? <laughs> um, and I like it. There was a phone call they got, and she said, yeah, I recommend the lava uh, ash right. uh, soak. <laughs> yeah. like well, that. That's appropriate for Scott's previous job. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> you were shipping you were shipping stuff to them back oh, then. That's right. Uh, one of the it. one of the guys in the bathtub um who is a pod person uh he, he says um he said you see him in the in the bathtub reading a paperback novel and I'm always paying attention to the details there. Uh, and uh I zoomed in and it's, it, the book is Worlds in Collision by Emmanuel Vilkovsky. And then oh, Vilkovsky, Vilkovsky, yes. And then uh actually a minute later he starts talking about it in the film. He says, quote, it postulates the around that around the 15th century BC the planet Venus was ejected from the from Jupiter as a comet or a comet-like object and passed near Earth. Um, so this was actually a real book that was very popular in the 70s. It was written in 1950, mm-hmm. but uh, it's completely, you know, just a guy's idea. It's not, not science at all. It, it makes no sense, really. Uh, and but yet, it was, Carl Sagan dedicated part of an episode of Cosmos to debunking this it's thing. It's because it was so it's big. It's the old time I've ever heard Dude, of it. Chariots of the Gods is the same story. Like those things were so in, in the 50, in the seventies, right. As sort of a reaction to all the previous uh, saucer stuff. And the fact that the government is doing stuff and they're not telling us stuff. Right. But then the the great part is uh, he says, you must read this book, <laughs> to Veronica Cartwright. <laughs> and then she says, Oh, I've read it several times. She says, and then, and then she says, have you read, Star Maker by Olaf Stapleton, that's must-reading, too. <laughs> Which is just a great, weird little shout-out in, in, uh, in the movie that's actually not very appropriate for... I mean, Star Maker has, I guess, the seed of every story, science fiction story, which is probably what the shout-out there is, too. But it's also like, um, which is science fiction and which is... Um, is is nonfiction. Well, one of them's fiction. <laughs> the the Vilkovsky one is basically it's like Chariots of the Gods. It's just bad science. It's it, people not doing science right and speculating wildly, um, and then you know making conclusions that are unjustified by the evidence. Um, and so th- that plays into the plot, I think, a little bit of of the idea of the m- of the movie and what do you know and how do you know that you saw it, which I think is so well done in the fifty version, where the cop says to him, you know, let's look in this basement, let's go see what's there, playing the role of um, of Leonard Nimoy's psychiatrist, right, in the in the fifty version, and then when we get to the the two thousand seven. Uh, the psychiatrist is the main character, <laughs> right? So we we have this sort of chain of looking into within to find facts from that are going on without. When the little kids are saying, "He's not my real mom. My de- my mom's dead," or whatever, um, which is, which is totally like it's total straight from father the father thing, thing yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, and it's. It's so much something we can we can really get a hold of. It's why I think it, they are so different. One is, you know, that Heinlein novel is it's as science fictiony as science fiction can get without being, you know, absolute hard science fiction. Whereas this is sort of the polar opposite. It's basically space vegetables. 
right? <laughs> oh, and then at the end, the space vegetables can launch themselves into space. <laughs> Whereas I think the um, the spores—that's why the 2007 one, the, this you know, it's just yeah. a fungus it, or whatever. It, 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 that was on the space shuttle because the space. Mm-hmm. Because remember yeah. that movie starts with the space shuttle crashing and leaving debris from Dallas to Washington. And now you've done the it, space Paul. Shuttle, What's that? You, now you've done it. You've triggered it. You know what that means. What we now mean? have to talk about life force. No, we do not have to talk about life. We can skip that out. But... Nope, you triggered it. It was a tripwire that I set down. So, yeah. So, so, so oh space, space shuttle bringing in space wars, which, I mean, the movie doesn't actually, um, well, at least the movies that put the, I don't even think the 56 movie does or too much, but the book talks about kind of like the panspermia theory, although it doesn't use that name. Exactly. <laughs> yes, it does. It does. Yeah. Um, but so, uh, so, you're so, right, Paul. Life Force is the best adaptation of Jack Finney's novel. <laughs> No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I should have shut up. Dude, I love Life Force so much. It's such a good movie. I know a lot of people don't like it, but it's it's just so good. It's 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 like it it said, "Hey, 1970s, we saw what you did. We're going to do the opposite of that." Why didn't you send it to us, Jesse? You sent us every other one. I want I want to do a show on Space Vampires, the original novel, <laughs> oh, but it's not available as an audiobook. Um, Space and, Vampires by who wrote that? Um, you're testing me. Um, he's not a well-known guy. He, uh, Christopher Space Vampires. Space Vampires. I thought you were joking when you said no, no. Space Vampires. No, that's the original name of the book. Colin Wilson. That's him. Colin Wilson. He's a British yeah. guy, I think. 1976. Um, yeah. It's funny that, you know, we think uh, science fiction is just about a bunch of uh, separate ideas, but really they're not all that – there's not all that many ideas, right? It's just the way you spin or focus on a particular detail because, you know, my job in doing show notes when we finish these shows and like three months down the road I start doing show notes for it. Most of my job is looking up the spelling of all the authors, all the books that get mentioned, because they're all feeding this sort of spinning and thinking about different aspects of humanity's role and what we're doing here. And that, 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 that actually shows up. I'm not sure which, maybe it's the 1993 movie. Maybe it's in one of the, maybe it's in the book. I have no idea. They're all blending together. But there is a question. It's like, what is your purpose here on Earth? Well, yeah. I, I, for the answer me, is, we don't uh, have a purpose. It's just re- reproduction, just like you. <laughs> um, this one was like, I was like, how how can we be reading this right now? Because it, th- right? I think the reason that this one holds so well is the whole invisible threat thing. And like mm-hmm. right now... The virus is the body snatcher. Like everywhere I look, I'm and like, that was on the schedule like, before. This book was right? this just the like, last it, week and a half is it yeah. turned into, or maybe last two weeks is turned turned into bizarro world, right? It, Something we haven't yeah. seen in For our sure. lifetimes yep. at all. Yep. And yet, yep. this I is mean, not on this. It wasn't scheduled because of that. It just 
I know, but we're but reading it, it in. It happens, but it's absolutely there. But I think there. like whatever is happening, like whenever, okay, right now it's the virus. The body centers is the virus, but th- it just translates. It's like whatever is happening societally or historically, it can come back to this idea. And we're mm-hmm. we're recording this on March twenty third. Uh, sorry, March twenty first, uh, a Saturday in twenty twenty. So whenever you're hearing this, we're thinking about a scene, a listener. We're thinking about a scene, I think, probably in the town, in the book, where he's looking at the street and the town is dying, right? Nobody is shopping yeah. in the stores. Uh, people are pretending to interact so that anybody who's coming into town, um, the coffee doesn't taste good. We, we noted that part, right, Scott? Mm-hmm. In the yeah. diner. <laughs> And the salesman is like, this is not, this is not right. Um, and, and there's people something. Are, and people are and, numb. And, yes. and you don't, you don't know who the enemy is because I can be carrying it and not show symptoms. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, you know? Asymptomatic uh, people as body snatcher people. Asymptomatic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, the, I think the relationship we have as individuals to our societies, the towns we live in and all that stuff. It is very well shown in this book because Mm -hmm. he loves his town. Um, And when they flee, which is completely reasonable, he does this very stupid thing, which is return. And why does he return? return? That that was the one point in the movie where, or the book where like, (sighs) Why are they doing well? The reason is I no. You know what? I think it is. I think it's actually it's actually just normal human psychology. That's just how broken we are. Is that people (laughs) go back to bad relationships? People go back uh, to the comfort because the fear. uh, I mean, this is why you know moving is such a trauma for people. Right, we mm-hmm. sort of nest in place or shelter in place, as the phrase is now. Mm-hmm. Right, we nest and we we want to keep things as familiar and comfortable as possible, but that's also very dangerous, very dangerous. So, why do those kids go to uh, Spring Break Beach? Because you got can't live yeah. forever. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That YOLO. I gotta live my life. Crazy. Well, it is, but it's also very human and very natural. But is that done by the unthinking part of you or the thinking? Like my mom asked me yesterday, um, how are you feeling? <laughs> right? I said, uh, she said, are you worried? And I'm like, not much I can do about it <laughs> right? <laughs> by worrying. Does that mean I'm not mm-hmm. worried? Mm, on some level, I must be. Right. I have more food than I usually have. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, you, you, how's your toilet paper level? It's good. 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 Okay. <laughs> I, I thought of another story. I went. I went to the store. Portion. I just want to say this, Paul. Yesterday, I went to the store to buy uh, the, uh, not the store, Home Depot, to buy Depot. a uh, thermostat. My mom's thermostat was giving her trouble for a long time, and she finally found the one she wanted. So I went there for her. Couldn't get into the Costco. There was a line there. Couldn't get into the a couple other places because it was crazy. But I went to the, the there, and while I was in there, I happened to trying to find the right aisle for thermostats. I happened by the toilet section, and I looked, and I spotted the section where the bidets are. 
They were all sold out. (laughs) (laughs) So people are not just hoarding toilet paper. They're also hoarding the days. People are learning ways of cleaning themselves. (laughs) So, so, so as we've been talking this conversation, there was something you know, like we missed, we were missing talking about, or at least mentioning a story. And I finally remembered the name of it. And I came up with it. Have any of you read the Isaac Asimov nineteen fifty story Green Patches? No. Oh, well, there's one called the Green Splotches, but that's not by Asimov. No, no, but Green it's Patches. Similar. No, I don't if think I so. Have, I don't remember. What's it, what's it about, Paul? Okay, so a. A human colony ship lands on an unknown planet and they analyze the plant and animal life and they notice it's all connected in a unified mm. consciousness and they all have these like green fur instead of eyes. And what turns out to be they start trying to colonize the the people of the ship and mm. they have to basically try to keep themselves from being infected by this thing that wants to basically have them have the people join into the conscious into the general consciousness of this planet and of all these other creatures, which kind of like work together as a single organism. So the story is about almost like a seed story where they're basically trying to keep themselves from being infected by these stuff. They get the they get the uh, finally get the ship off of uh, off of the planet, and they're worried about there's a stowaway. And then eventually, it turns out there's actually a piece of the thing, which mm. that piece alone would be enough yeah. to convert. The ship oh. and then all of Earth, but they finally destroy it, and the and uh, and, uh, the, and they're, they're finally happy about that. And the guy says, "Yes, like we're going back to anarchy, and it will stay that way." Mm. Talking about Earth, it's like huh. it's, so. It's I'm, kind of like a body snatcher is kind of like converting people into this mm-hmm. one hive mind and losing their identity into a into a greater greater uh, unthinking being. That's that, it's, it's a really great story now that I was like, oh yeah, I now remember that. that it's, it's in the oh, same cool. sort of same sort of time frame that it's in the air. Yeah. I, uh, well, I want to point out there's a there is a story, and I'm I vaguely remembered it when you pointed out that similar title by Asimov mm-hmm. um, called "The Green Splotches" by T. S. Stribling, who was a very early science fiction guy. Uh, his stories was in Amazing uh, uh, in 27. But it was also an adventure in 1920, Adventure Magazine. Um, and it is basically a alien spore sort of thing like that. There's actually a number of stories that are just s- sort of the gray goo alien. Um, but uh, it reminds me, I mentioned to Philip K. Well, you know, some sort of just uh, alien that turns everything into. No, but the but, like nanotech gray goo is also like absolutely of identity. There's uh there is another um Philip K. Dick. I mentioned two already. I mentioned uh the Father Thing and uh The Hanging Stranger, but he has one called Colony, which is one of my favorite stories. It, I, probably because it's the first maybe the second one of the very first uh Philip K. Dick stories I ever read. Um it was actually in uh a great <laughs> Robert Silverberg anthology called Science Fiction 101, or um, as I have yep. it, uh, called Worlds of Wonder. Um, and it was uh, adapted to an episode of X-1, <laughs> and it's about an alien space, uh, human spaceship that lands on an alien planet, um, and uh, it has that great line. <laughs> when the captain goes in for a shower for some reason, um, he comes out of the shower and there's two 
two towels on the towel rack. Uh, and he, he towels himself off with the one and then he walks across the room and he gets attacked by the rug. (laughs) 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 He says, he says the great Philip K. Dick line to one of his crew members. I trusted the rug completely. (laughs) 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 Um, and it turns out the whole planet is, is, uh, clones. They eat you. They actually dissolve you and make copies of you. Um, and <laughs> so, like, one guy takes his laser gun out of its holster and he tries to shoot it, but it's it's just a it's a fake, right? And then at the end of the story, it's such a great ending. He, um, they, I don't know, they send down a dropship to rescue the crew, um, and it's a fake dropship, and it eats. No, <laughs> it's the- no. <laughs> <laughs> they all climb in. You know, <laughs> It's like, wow. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's got that paranoid uh, aspect, but it's just a short story. And it's, 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 Philip K. Dick is terrible with like military stuff. He doesn't know anything about it. So nobody acts like, like they're way looser than they are on Star Trek, you know, for <laughs> like this commander doing this and the cook sort of taking orders from himself. Very silly uh, style of storytelling. But, the fact that he's thinking about these very oddly science fictional items very early on in his um his career even before he's written yeah it was uh, that was 53 too so it's definitely something in the air we're in that part of science fiction world yeah something in the water something in the air and don't drink I, the won- water. I, I, I wonder now i mean with the stories that'll come out of 2020 will reflect our own fears about the virus and what that does and how that's going to mutate so. and change. I hope so. I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure they will. It's, it, it'll, it's it'll take time years for a change. For them all to come out, but yeah, I think this is going to be another mm-hmm. moment. I think where it, we'll get a couple years down the road. We'll have some pretty interesting things. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe not all novels anymore. Maybe some podcast will do it. Or we'll find out. We will find. We will all find out. <laughs> so, 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 listeners, if there is still a Still a podcast, and still recording when this comes out. Yeah, <laughs> we're thinking about this in March, but we're looking forward to your future. Yeah, yes, well, sir. don't forget, other members of this podcast have died in the past. So, which one of us will be next? Yikes! <laughs> right? Wow, that's a way to. Bring <laughs> I'm going for the downer ending that 1970s <laughs> downer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Turning into an Agatha Christie mystery murder that everybody who lis- listens Which to this. Which one of us isn't even us anymore? That's right. <laughs> this has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash SFF audio. All right. Uh, so how is your uh, uh, sheltering in place slash apocalypse happening? <laughs> Everybody. Well, I, I'm in Utah and our rules given by the governor is groups of 10 or less. So we're not locked down 100%. And restaurants are closed but open for pickup. Right. 
or delivery. Yeah, that's delivery the same rep. thing here. Same yeah, thing. Stay, stay, stay to 10 or less. The restaurants are closed except for delivery or pickup. Museums are closed. Say parks are open, but the visitor centers and whatnot are closed. Um, lots of stores. I mean, stores are starting to close now. My apartment building are not picking are not taking packages anymore, which is going to be fun if oh, publishers are, are going to be sending me anything because yeah, huh? Come on. But what I mean, about, what about all the people that have to have food delivered by Amazon? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's yeah, awesome. it's fun times, Marissa. It's fun times. Mm. It's Misa. Misa. Oh, oh, Jesus. Misa, where where you are you, Jesse? <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. Uh, I'm just north of Toronto, oh, okay. and uh, we have pretty much the same restrictions that you just said. Okay. Um, I heard. Uh, I heard people are starting to love uh, uh, Premier Ford. Is it Doug or Rob? I can't Nobody remember. Loves him. They hate him. Oh, sorry. I, I heard. <laughs> we I heard. hate him, I, Jesse. I, I. It must have been a newspaper uh, headline saying basically, um, you know. Uh, He's acting like a leader in this crisis. He's a buffoon. <laughs> he, he's um, he's uh, kind of like if Trump's younger brother. He totally died, is. He died. totally. Oh is. no! Trump's older brother died, and, and what is his position? The, he's the premier of Ontario. It's okay. like prime minister of the province. Yeah, uh, yeah. So as a governor, we of have the state, no. We have of, we have a lieutenant governor. <laughs> Provinces are provinces are way bigger, I think, than states. They're, yeah, they are. Yeah, they're different. Not PEI. Yeah, Except well. for yeah. Yeah, we get all our orders from the governor, and the lieutenant governor is in charge of the task force. Oh, so we see him a lot right now. Here's what. Um, here's what. Um, I, I'm sh- showing you doing my job here. Um, this is one of my student moms. Um, are there any changes? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, what should we focus on? Please give me suggestions and then the praying symbol or whatever it is. And Jesse writes up a big paragraph and then she says, that, th- that is great. I felt relief after I read your text. If you think he needs more, blah, 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 blah. Um, uh, yes, absolutely. Yes, comma, absolutely. So I work at a technical college in administration right now, and uh, we have people that run the gamut from – so we're doing everything remotely, which is hard. I mean, how do you teach someone to fix a diesel engine remotely? (laughs) It's not math. you know. So um, we're doing everything that we can, but we have people that are totally panicked and don't want to come to work. Yeah. Um, and then we've got people that think it's a big hoax. Hoax? Yes. I mean, I can understand not taking it seriously, but <laughs> hoax. So well, that's the word. You know, it, they don't, they're showing a lot of. out of proportion by uh, the media. They aren't hell, showing a lot of bodies, right? They are not. No. And, and no. I think that that's why, uh, you know, that sort of. I mean, the thing is, is the media is, is terrible. Right, those traditional media is just fucking terrible, and that's why I'm, like mice is reacting to this idea that uh, is it Rob or Doug? I can't remember. Rob, D- Doug. 
Doug. Okay, so Rob was the one who died, and Doug is the oh, one who died. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> they're pretty much the same. They're because they're brothers. Yeah. They're brothers, and they were both. Uh, we're, I think we've got Doug, Doug, Doug in place right now. It doesn't matter. It's a Ford, anyways. Yeah. Anyways, these uh, <laughs> you know, the fact that they're saying uh, Bill de Blasio, uh, he's the governor of New York, right? He's the mayor of New York City. Oh, sorry. Same difference. <laughs> uh, Cuomo, 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 is, uh, Cuomo. Right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, this is. Uh, I see a lot of reports saying he's a great governor too, because of all his actions. Um, <laughs> that's what I see. And the thing is, is the media is fucking incompetent and you know bought and all sorts of shit. So the idea that people are saying it's a hoax. Well, there's a lot of reasons people think that not just because people are stupid and also prone to conspiracy which we all are yeah um uh, there's also like gross incompetence and gross uh, corruption in the news media and that's part of it they don't want to show bodies they also like the government doesn't want to show bodies and the the um uh complacent media doesn't want to show bodies but Bodies are actually a way of telling you stuff, right? Like this is this is what it looked like. You say there's an accident on the highway, and it happens all the time, but you never show it. That that's not going to make you put your seatbelt on. So yeah, there's there's that. Right? <laughs> yeah. um, on the other hand, um, uh, conspiracies do go away when you present facts, when you show them. Mm -hmm. right. You want to show the withered lungs of uh, the world? Bodies? It's hard to show the lungs, but well, you know, you know, you know, on cigarette packages, they started mm. showing those pictures. Mm -hmm. yeah. It made that much of a difference, but it certainly made it more tangible and real. Yeah. Well, it's not going to. Well, I feel like you know something's changed with smoking over at least the last ten years. I see much less of it than mm -hmm. before. But, mm -hmm. but CMS of spike in vaping, right? Could be. Could that's be. new. But that's but there was a huge drop in smoking before the vaping. Yes. Yeah. It back. Every I time agree. there's a new technology, um, it sort of spikes up. The gin epidemic is still with us as a cultural legacy, but nobody talks about gin in the way that we were talking are now talking about vaping, right? Because we got a hold on it. We sort of figured out how to deal with it and we had all sorts of horrible stuff coming along to get us so the good news is uh, humans have survived much worse plagues than this, and we have uh, a lot of, lot better technology. But uh, really interesting uh, to see the uh, the Republicans outflanking, especially Trump outflanking the uh, the Democrats in terms of you know sending checks. Mm. Very interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, where, when, when are we going to get UBI in uh, Ontario and uh, BC? Uh, I don't know. When the checks start rolling out in the, in the United States, that's when the checks will start rolling out in Canada. <laughs> you think? Oh, yeah. It's, we always take our cue. We can't make a move until they make their move. Mm. That's, our, that's our weakness. Mm, I guess. Somebody said that the border that the border closed because Trudeau pushed it. Huh. Maybe. 
That's a that's a cue. I guess, but he could have closed it without. You know, he doesn't have to ask permission. No, but I think that just to be, you know. But you see my point. Solidarity, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, let's go to war in Afghanistan. Why? Oh, yeah, Canada was. Oh no, it wasn't. It's because we have to do what the Americans say. So that's our that's our big um, fuck up. That's our that's our character flaw. Or at least the the thing we have to be aware of. I, I it's harder to diagnose Americans not seeing them from the outside, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe yeah. I don't. You guys can't diagnose us very well because you don't know, you don't see our stuff in context, right? We don't see your stuff at all unless I don't think they see us. That's at what all. I'm thinking. Right? No, you're never on the news. Oh, only time I see people talking about. Uh, you know, Canadian stuff is always in comparison. They say this is this is what leadership looks like, and then they show like Trudeau giving a speech, um, as opposed to our shitty president. That's what <laughs> the context is. How come we can't have leadership like this? Is what they say, and it just like so fucking blind Canadian problem, which is we're not leading, we're 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 following. <laughs> And he's not he's not a better politician in many ways. I would say he's probably a worse politician in many ways. Anyways. Um other than that, everybody's healthy. Micey, you were yes. sick before, right? I was sick, but it was just a regular just a regular flu. Just a regular Spanish flu and killed millions. <laughs> True enough. It didn't kill me. Mm-hmm. Yay. Oh, Good news. <laughs> But my daughter refuses to see me anyway. She figures I'm a walking time bomb. No, so. She figures you've been replaced by a pod. <laughs> she, something like that. She said, I told her I have food. She said, you can drop it off outside my apartment, but you can't, you can't come in. Wow. <laughs> um, what's uh, the story with Paul? How's he doing? Paul's fine. He's got some good health. No... Uh, uh, scary coughs because i i keep thinking uh, i have a runny nose or i have a clogged nose and i i'm checking my forehead and thinking am i if i got a fever um but i I think it might like i might be allergic to springtime and never known it i don't know i I have seasonal allergies dang it so this is a constant thing yeah fall and spring are the worst yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, like I, I always thought I, for a long time, I didn't think allergies were like a phenomena that made any sense. You know, it's kind of like the conspiracy thinking because I didn't have any. <laughs> it's like, what are you, you talking got them about? Later in life? Huh? You got them later in life? I, I don't know. See, the thing is, is uh, I've I've always you know occasionally had stuffy noses and stuff, right? Oh. So <laughs> I don't know what does it look like. Um, <laughs> But I do, you know, I've got rashes in, in my life, and I think, oh, that's just because of this. But is that the allergic reaction happening? Um, I don't know. Somehow it was a blind You're not going to find huge out now, spot. Jesse. Huh? You're not going to be able to find out now because no doctors are taking patients. Uh, Here, they close them down. Doctors. The walk-in no doc- clinics? Cannot- uh, I don't know about the walk-in clinics, but regular doctors, oh, they're yeah. saying, phone, phone it in. Oh, yeah, definitely. 
Uh, I did see I, one of the things I really liked was that pharmacies now for renewals don't need uh, an additional doctor's note. In oh, BC. yeah. Yeah, I thought that was a really smart move. And we should just yeah. have that generally, unless it's, I guess, uh, you know, maybe we should just have that generally. I don't know. Whatever. It's for hydrocodone or something. Yeah, well, no, I was thinking even like for um, antibiotics actually makes more sense, right? Because hydrocodone and that's sort of uh, Oxycontin and that sort of thing, that's, yeah. that's not, that doesn't harm the collective when you. You know, it harms the collective if you get addicted to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that true, though? Is that true? I mean, well, because it, how many lives do they hurt? It uh, harms the collective because of everybody else that they're touching, like going outside right now. Yes. Okay. So uh, I think that, but see, that actually does harm. Like, like if if everybody goes outside and starts kissing and hugging. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to hurt uh, all of us in a certain way, right? In that we're going to yeah, all get sick at the same time. Yeah. But if if you're taking uh opiates, um you know, does that harm everybody? Cuz that true- harms not just you though. More people than you. Who? Who else besides you? Your family. In yeah. what sense? Yeah. Are, the medical community like around dope, you that you're, 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 taking, you're using resources and stuff. Uh, <laughs> come on, opiates are cheap. That's not. No, I meant taking care of people. Well, so you're saying like if if you're uh, you're full of you're do, you doped yourself up, you, you need to be more taken care of. Uh, well, eventually, yeah. Well, eventually, everybody has to be taken care of by the medical system, right? I think I think it's like because um, there's uh, you probably never heard of him. I say there's a guy on Canada Land. He was just on recently. He's a, like a local guy here. His name's Garth Mullins. He's mm-hmm. kind of a weird citizen journalist. Uh, he's like a um, advocate for the Downtown East Side Residents Association. If you've ever heard of that, it's like it's basically the Skid Row part of Vancouver, where all the habitual drug users. Um, congregate kind of um and he you know he's been like a heroin you he was a heroin user for like 30 40 years and he taught so he's like seen everything and he's you know working journalist it's very strange right but he's been a working journalist while being a heroin addict isn't that 40 years isn't that crazy wow um and the thing is is there's a ton of people who who take heroin um or you know codeine or whatever it is um and it, they just basically use it to manage their life right so they don't they're not like enjoying the process it's because their brain was adapted to that and now it's like if you take it away they're that's when they're sick that's when they're in trouble that's when they're in danger so yeah. obviously yeah you don't want to get into that situation but once you're in there i don't think you're you know in that much trouble I don't. I guess we don't have to talk about that today, do we? <laughs> <laughs> sort of off topic, slightly. Anyways, slightly off topic. Slightly off. 